As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. American Sniper has been surrounded by controversy and big, big discussions since the film was released earlier this year, and we'll be focusing on one of those big questions this week, discrimination and creator responsibility. Lights, camera, podcast, this is Zach on Film. In 1915, D.W. Griffith released one of the most controversial, if not the most controversial films of all times, and yet it is one of the most praised films of all time also, with his seminal classic, The Birth of a Nation. Uh, Technically, the film progressed the language of film through editing, cinematography, and even the weird, weird introduction of color it did at the end by staining the reels. Uh, But the dark side of that movie is the rampant, obvious racism throughout the entire film that had absolutely horrible real-world consequences by leading to the resurgence of the KKK. The Birth of a Nation and that entire film and just the reaction to it came to my mind when I read a letter by Samir Khalaf, who uh, who he is the president of the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee. Uh, he wrote this letter to American Sniper star Bradley Cooper and the director Clint Eastwood. Now, this note uh, detailed uh, how the group had seen a rise in threats toward, towards Arab and Muslim Americans since American Sniper came out. And the problem with a lot of these threats is that they were naming the film specifically... Uh, in their threats towards the Arab and Muslim Americans, here is one of those. The um, here is one of those tweets, and I'm just going to warn you: I'm not going to censor the language. So, if you have little ones, you might want to cover their ears. This is what one of the threats that the American Arab Anti Discrimination Committee quoted in their letter: "Great fucking movie, and now I want to kill some fucking ragheads." So that's what they we're seeing on social media prevalent after the release of American Sniper. Now, as of this recording, neither Cooper nor Eastwood had addressed the letter, uh, and that's part of the discussion today. Should they even have to address it? Are creators responsible for how their audiences respond to their work? Now, before I play this discussion between myself, Steven Schleicher, Rodrigo Lopez, and Matthew Peterson, I am going to acknowledge that at that point in time, None of us had actually seen the film, but I want to explain why I still thought the conversation was important and not necessary to have seen the film. Uh, I love talking about the conversations that surround films. I think there's a lot of great conversations 
uh, about social dynamics and just society in general that can happen in film. But sometimes you can have those conversations that actually seem a film. Do you miss out on part of the conversation? Of course. But I think a conversation like the one we're about ready to have uh, is not predicated on actually having to see an American Sniper because it's all about the reaction of the audience to the film in general. I will say I did go watch the film. I actually just walked out of it about an hour ago. Uh, and I'm going to talk about that more after this conversation. And a listener like you will actually chime in on this this uh, creator discussion that we're about ready to have. Uh, so sit back, and here is my discussion with Stephen, Rodrigo, and Matthew. So what happened uh, a few weeks after the movie released, a letter was written by the American Arab Anti-Discrimination Committee talking about how they'd seen a rise in uh, threats through social media towards, um, you know, the Arab uh, American community, or just in general, uh, generally from people who were referencing American Sniper and then threats towards the community uh, in social media posts. And so they wrote this letter to uh, Bradley Cooper and Clint Eastwood asking them to, you know, address the issue and just come out against it in the depiction of, uh, uh, of how their community was shown uh, in the film. And so the conversation I really want to have um, about it is how responsible are creators for the actions of the audiences that view their work? Because we, we, we discussed something like this, you know, when Zach on film was in its reg- regular, regular state, when we watched uh, A Birth of a Nation, mm-hmm. where the racism depicted in that movie, I mean, uh, led to really the resurgence of the, the Ku Klux Klan in America, and, I mean, uh, almost a decade later gained uh, millions of members. So we've seen this th- same thing right. happen before. I'm not equating the two, but there is some tinge uh, of history in this. So w- I mean, what is the responsibility of creators when something like this happens? You know, I... I don't know if there is a response. I mean, certainly there should be a response, but I don't know if it's their responsibility to say, yeah, we're responsible for those guys going Mm -hmm. over and doing those horrible things to people or being violent on TV. I mean, you can't be your brother's keeper all the time, right? Uh, People are going to be idiots if they want to be idiots. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't remember. Maybe you guys, Matthew, maybe remember. Remember when American History X came out and it was about a guy who's a skinhead. skinhead. And they're doing all these things, curb stomping and all that stuff. And I don't remember a big uproar over it. Um, there was. There yeah, was. there may have been. I mean, even um, you mentioned Clint Eastwood in his last movie, the one with the old guy. Grant Torino. Yeah, Grant Torino. He's kind of yeah. a dick and going out and, and extracting his own justice in that. And I think a lot of people are bothered by that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's Clint Eastwood's responsibility to go out and say, this is just a story I'm telling. These are not my views. These are not Bradley Cooper's views. Um, I I think it's hard for people to understand that what they're seeing on the screen isn't real. I don't know if it's their responsibility to say, these are not our views or these are anybody's views. But it might behoove them to say, we are not supporting violence against Arab and Muslim Americans, we're not supporting the violence against the communities or the violent rhetoric. Right. Even though the story that we're telling is a wartime story. Now, I've seen these. I have uh, family members who are posting these 
I really want to go and kill some savages and other uh, sorts of slurs. And so this sweet. is, yeah, that's exactly what it is. This is the thing. They're overcome by what they feel about the movie. And it gets into that, that difficult area where people will say that it is impossible for anything to influence your behavior. Now, I'm not going to say that your behavior is because you went and watched a movie, but I think that it is possible, and it happens all the time. Art affects our behavior. Art affects our beliefs. Art affects the way that we approach things and people and populations. Whether or not Clint Eastwood intended to create a situation where people could say, now I'm going to go kill some of those people, or now I really want to, I really feel like it's the patriotic awesome thing to go kill some of those people, that's happening coming out of this movie. I don't know that it's Clint Eastwood's responsibility. I don't think it's Clint Eastwood's fault. But I do think that a statement, some sort of statement, might be the moral thing to do. It it might be, especially, you know, from Warner Brothers, the overarching company that owns all of this property, to just come out and say, look, this is a movie, it's a story we're telling, it's about a particular person in a particular time, whatever you want to say. But you want to make sure that you're not silent to some degree, because at that point, then people can kind of read a tacit approval of that that violent rhetoric into what you've said in your piece of art. What do you think, Rodrigo? Uh, you know, uh, on on the one hand, I'm like, well, you know, once a piece is is out there, it's for people to consume however they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, I don't necessarily feel that there's a lot of responsibility uh, for uh, Bradley Cooper and um, uh, Clint the man with no name. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so, but Cliff here's Richard. the thing. Here's the thing. So that's that's fine when you're talking about like academically looking at a piece right, or right. when you're a reviewer or something like that. You're not necessarily going to say, well, I hate Clint Eastwood, so I'm going to give this a bad review, even though the movie might be good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but from a societal standpoint, especially when you look at the cost-benefit analysis, how difficult would it be for Clint Eastwood or Bradley Cooper to not even write anything, to just say, hey, my agent – write something for me and put it out there and it just has to be a little thing it just has to be something that says hey guys um you know don't be mean to muslims like this movie is about a war like muslim americans or or american muslims and arab americans aren't the same people you shouldn't be mean to them like they're americans you know it's like that would not be hard to say that would not be hard to do Mm -hmm. my concern comes in that it's entirely possible that they won't want to do this because they're afraid of alienating the racists, which Mm. is something that I think every organization that comes under fire because of something like this has as a thought at some point in their life as as an organization or as as somebody who creates something. And the decision that comes after that really tends to define you as a person in a lot of ways. You know, it's like, do we want to alienate the racists? If you say no, then you are perpetuating that racism. If you say, well, we're going to have to, then you're actually probably taking a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I, I think though it's interesting though that there's a, a deeper conversation, especially about media consumption, that Rodrigo touched on just a minute ago, as far as and Matthew also as well, in that when that creative piece is put out there, mm-hmm. it's going to enable somebody regardless. Right. Right. And I think for some people, they are looking for anything to enable their racism, their hatred, their drug addiction, their pornography, whatever. I mean, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. they're looking for something to enable. So, you know, it may not have been this movie in particular, but they are probably out there seeking something that says, hey, here's a portrayal of someone that is just like you. And so therefore they're feeling better about these attitudes. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I'm saying that media does enable our inner belief systems Mm -hmm. uh, to a great extent. And, and a lot of times we are grasping at a straws to try to find that thing that will give us that excuse to enable. Mm -hmm. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's, it's the dark mirror of representation in film. You see someone who represents and validates whatever you may believe. Now, the, the problem that you get into is I don't believe that Clint Eastwood or Warner Brothers or anybody went into this going, let's make a movie that makes people want to kill. Right. Mm-hmm. Or want to, in, in this case, want to mouth off about how it would be great to kill or to make a, I believe the exact phrase is hateful rhetoric. And we can go with that. Rhetorically saying, boy, sure am glad all of these people got killed. Whatever you believe, that, I think, is the point where you get into that really, that, that dark side of human nature. Right. Of if, if they come out and say, we don't represent this and we don't, you know, we don't condone this, are they then somehow setting themselves up to be held responsible if something does happen? I mean. That, that's probably the other thing that they have to th- consider. Yeah, that is, when, when you look at, you know, the, the situation in Aurora, Colorado a few years ago. That uh, a gentleman came in and thought he was the Joker. That uh, is hang on, hang on, though, hang on. That was okay. not the case. He didn't go in saying that he was the well, Joker. When they when they detained him, they mm-hmm. asked him, "Do you think you're the Joker?" And he answered not necessarily negatively to that. But okay. if that you know that kid had like orange Some, hair, yeah, and was like loaded with guns, which is not a Joker thing to do. If he thought he was a Joker, he would have done something else. He was doing it wrong. Okay, yeah. Okay, so whatever he did at that point, there were still people who said, was it this movie series or was it what happened in that film that caused that to happen? People ask that question. And I wonder, you know, if if you're Warner Brothers, can you make a statement saying we don't necessarily condone this without somehow implying that things could be your fault? I mean, with, with... that's that's a, a really kind of a difficult question to to look yeah. at. Well, and I guess I have a I've been thinking about this now, not having seen the movie, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know if this is in the movie or not. But the uh, Cooper character kills other people who are not uh, soldiers. Is that right? That's, Does anyone know about that? Um, that is what his autobiography yeah, says. Okay, okay. So he's killing civilians. You know. Years ago, you could watch a uh, a movie about the life of uh, Audie Murphy, who you know killed all of these Germans uh, in the in World War One, I, I believe. And you'd say, "Oh, this is a great war movie." 
portraying this guy who went in and killed the enemy. And so it glorifies this nature of who Audie Murphy was, and I'm sure had some kind of an impact in uh, enlistment in the military. But then when you get somebody who is not that straight and narrow as what is coming out in this movie, I have concerns about about glorifying someone who is not doing the rules of war, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I get into the problem of not really wanting to see this movie because either either the filmmakers are saying, here's a great hero, or they're saying, um, what was that other movie with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal where he was- Jarhead. Jarhead. Where you're saying, here's how effed up the military is. So I don't know, but- but I don't know which way, because I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know which way the film is trying to portray that. If they're trying to portray this guy as a great hero, then I think there's something really effed up about that. But if they're trying to portray this person as a result of the situation, like we saw in Jarhead, that's that's mm-hmm. really different. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, though, you're always going to run, like we were saying, you're always going to run into people that perceive things to validate their own worldview. And, and to a certain degree, we all do this. Um, we did a, a Zach on film on uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, right. uh, which I wasn't on, but I actually watched the movie. <laughs> um, and I was amazed because I hadn't seen the movie before. And anytime I had talked to uh, you know, specific people about uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, they were like very empathetic to the Jack Nicholson character. And they were like, uh, they'd make jokes about like Nurse Ratchet or whatever. Mm-hmm. And watching that movie, I'm just like, that lady was just doing her job. Like there right. was nothing. Right. Like she wasn't doing anything wrong. Right. You know. And it's like, but that perception, that like feeling victimized because of this person in a position of authority, mm-hmm. is something that those people brought into that movie. Yeah. Um, you know, I probably got something completely different because of my own specific traumas about that movie. Um, so you can watch like I remember somebody I remember watching Three Kings with a friend of mine and him being like, yeah, bang, 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 pew, pew, pew. And I'm right, like, right. that is not what Three Kings was about. I don't know. Like <laughs> Three Kings isn't a great movie. But I was like, I know it wasn't about that. Like, yeah, yeah. You getting excited like that means you miss the point of that movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and but see, that's what I was saying. Like the Audie Murphy story, I think that's the name of the movie, um, is supposed to glorify this guy as a hero who killed 21, I think it's 21, German soldiers in a single fight, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to, to glorify him as a soldier because he did what, and again, this goes back to this rules of war that you're supposed to follow. He is the exemplary soldier. But then if you've got someone who is going in and killing civilians, which is really... I can't believe that there's a rule book on war, first of all, <laughs> you know, what you're, you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do, but certainly killing civilians is something you're not supposed to do in a quote unquote war that's being done by the rule book. And if that's what's happening here and you're doing a movie and it's coming out glorifying this person, that's where I have, have a real problem with it. So here's, here's another question I had just swirling around this whole conversation is, um, can I mean just the idea of I don't even know how to but can, can you have a hero in your film in your TV series in your book whatever that um, is racist is a bigot is sexist 
is uh, I don't know xenophobic or any of these things. Can you can we can we still tell stories like that without um, uh, offending people or riling up hatred towards a specific group of people that overshadows the the story you're trying to tell? Because I think there's still stories out there, but should we be limiting it to uh, uh, not? Oh, should we only be telling should happy, we, positive stories? Well, not that, but because should, should we be telling point of view stories from, you know, a racist person or uh, a homophobic person? Well, that should goes, we be telling? Should we, or can we still be telling those stories without hurting uh, different groups of people and and, well, and 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 what they're trying to do in this world? I think that goes back into the enabling question. You and I just watched a movie recently, uh, Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. Which, if you haven't seen Nightcrawler, ladies and gentlemen, go see <laughs> Nightcrawler. But this guy is like the worst psychopath in the world. At the end of that movie, I'm not sitting there going, oh, yeah, this is great. I'm going to go do this. Look how wonderful these people are. <laughs> I'm thinking this person, not the not the uh, Bill Paxton character, who's mm-hmm. also in the same line of work. Bill Paxton's kind of a jerk, but I don't hate Bill Paxton. Mm-hmm. I hate the Jake Gyllenhaal character. Yeah. I do not want to be this character. I want to make sure that the way I do things is as far away from this person as possible. And I think that's what they're trying to trying to do in that movie is say, mm-hmm. look how horrible this person is and he's getting away with it because people let him get away with right. it. Right. And I guess that's part of it in that we've seen, uh, you know, bad hero like characters in our movies before, but generally they get what's coming to him at the end. I think of, uh, like Raging Bull and our main character in that is not a nice person, but it generally his life kind of crumbles around him and it doesn't end up in a great place. But in like Nightcrawler, our main character is manipulative and just exploits people, uh, but doesn't end up in a horrible spot. Right. He still just continues on. Is I mean, is there a space still for those movies to be made? I think oh. there there kind of has to be. But one of the things that I keep running into with analysis of American Sniper, and I have only seen the analysis, not the movie itself, so again, take that for what it's worth, is not that movie Kyle, um, uh, Lieutenant Kyle, I, I don't know his thing, but the, the movie version of the character is not the same as the version of the character in the book from which it's adapted. They've taken uh, that complex human character and they have made changes uh, supposedly, in the story of the film that take out some of the possible ambiguities and some of the darker edges and the things that are questionable to make the story work, to make the narrative work, however you want to design it. And then you break it down, you see people saying, well, the man that they're putting on this film as our central figure and protagonist also said these horrible things. And I think when you're, when you're dealing with a fictionalized version of a real person's story, it does get dicey, but you have to be able to tell stories of all kinds. And I think having a protagonist who is not necessarily full on Captain America, red, white, and blue heroic is absolutely necessary for some kinds of stories. And I think that if you look at this and you see that, you know, Clint Eastwood says this is an anti-war film. This is a film about the negative side and the ramifications and the things that happen to you after you are in a war and the terrible things that war does to people. If you are telling that story, you want to try and tell it with a character who is a real character. And Sometimes yeah. real characters have those feet of clay. And I think that's where that dissonance is coming in here is, 
American Sniper, the film, is showing us this character, this fictionalized version of a real character who has aspects of their life that are also coming under scrutiny and people are kind of tying it all together and some of the controversies are rising out of the movie says this, the character's life may have been like this, how do we justify making a movie making that character a hero? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think you should be forbidden from mm-hmm. showing portrayals of this. Mm-hmm. But like I said earlier, if someone's looking for a way to enable, you don't know what's going to trigger somebody. So let's even just step away from American Sniper. Is there merit in telling a story uh, maybe of like, a, of a, like we just watched 12 Years a Slave of... Of Epps' character. What if it, there was a movie and it was Epps' character is the main figure? Is that is that crossing a line where you're glorifying the owning of owning of slaves? Then depends on how you make it. I mean, one of the previous movies we did was Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde were outlaws. They were criminals. I believe they were at least attempted murderers. These were based on the exploits of real people who did terrible things, illegal things at a time where it was kind of romanticized to do so, but, you know, they still shot at police officers and people still got hurt and people were still stolen from. So it, it, it's a very complex, very difficult question to look at. You could make a movie about Epps without it being a movie that glorifies his views on the owning of other human beings. Um, but have you guys all seen Roots? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, when I was a kid, I was absolutely shocked. I was maybe seven or eight. My grandmother was recording Roots off the television on uh, a reel-to-reel tape recorder so she could listen to it again. And I saw that, and I'm like, oh, my God, how can they make a movie about this? This is terrible. And then I discovered this is all real. And I'm like, oh, my God, how can they make a movie about this? This is super terrible. But I don't know necessarily that it would make me look and say, yes, that's something that I now want to go do, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. That that Epps character, I think, was used very well in the movie. But if the movie was all about him or all about Ford, um, the, the Benedict Cumberbatch character, which would make for an even more difficult thing because of the way Ford interacted with the main character, you know, I think it would be... It, it's it's you can't say never. You can never say never because some artist will come along and make a three and a half hour movie about dying in a canal in Switzerland, and everyone will love it, and it'll be a perfect, wonderful experience because of what that creator brought to it. But I think it would be it would definitely be difficult. You'd have to you'd have to have a real strong vision, and you'd have to be able to realize and defend the hell out of that vision, both in the movie and out. And I think they tried to do that with American History X, where yeah. they were basically like, look, these are people. Mm-hmm. We're trying to portray this. We don't necessarily agree with these views, but we're presenting it to you so you can have your own opinion. So, Rodrigo, is there like a line to this, maybe this anti-hero uh, character we've seen in film that you shouldn't cross or it can venture into an endorsement? Is, is there like an established line for you in your mind, maybe? Uh, I don't know if there's a line necessarily. I think it's actually like uh, surprisingly easy to write a uh, an anti-hero 
type character like uh, taxi you driver. see it mm. yeah you see it in like actually a great example of just kind of like a, a hyper trophied version of this is bbc's sherlock right uh, here's a guy who's just a bastard to everyone. You know, he has some feelings, he has some friends and stuff like that. But he's like generally a huge bastard to everyone. And all they really need to do is have him be good at his job. And every once in a while, have kind of your point of view character or somebody who's like a little bit more normal. Look at him like he's the most magnificent thing in the world. And all of a sudden, because the world kind of creates this bubble around that, um, it's a lot easier to do that. I mean, you can look at something like there's a, a, a movie coming or not a movie, but a show coming out soon uh, with Rain Wilson uh, where he's uh, like a detective and he's like walking around with a cigar and a firefighter's like, you can't smoke here. And it's like, that house is on fire. Har, har, har. You know? And mm-hmm. like I saw that and I'm like, you know, this is that same thing. It's this kind of, you know, he's not a murderer. He's not a like a, a war criminal or a slave owner or anything like that. But here's just like in very simple terms, something that glorifies being a jerk and is justified by the fact that this person's really good at their job. So um, uh, movies and, and TV shows and stuff in which that happens, I think it's very easy for young men to see this and say, it's okay, like... How great would it be? I could just say whatever I wanted. I could just be a jerk to whoever I wanted. I could do whatever I wanted. As long as I'm good enough at something, like society will forgive me. Uh, and before people uh, write in and use the comment section, let me point out I got my World War One and World War Two stories messed up. Audie <laughs> Murphy, World War II, uh, To Hell and Back is his movie. The one that I am referring to is Alvin C. York. Sergeant York is the movie. He was the he was the World War One movie. That movie. Uh, he was the World War One hero. Killed twenty eight Germans. Uh, taking out a 32 right. machine guns, captured 132 soldiers. The movie uh, that I'm thinking of is with Gary Cooper called Sergeant York. Right. So Sergeant just... York was also the first Darren on Bewitched. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> Show starts in one minute. Big thanks to those guys for jumping in with me and humoring me by trying to answer uh, the question I had about uh, the reaction to American Sniper that we had seen. Someone else also got in on the question answering action. I posted the same question that I asked those three guys earlier uh, to the Zach on Film subreddit that I created, uh, and one person jumped in. Their uh, Reddit name was Sin Hunt, er, with a three for the E. Very cool. Uh, he had a great uh, thought about my question. This is what he said. He said, I don't feel that Eastwood is responsible for the feelings of others. American Sniper presents a certain point of view, and like all movies, it should be treated with skepticism. Folks who think... Who, who, ah, sorry. Folks whose thinking is already in line with the point of view put forward by the film will find their thinking reinforced. For others, it will serve to galvanize their opposing views. It's up to the audience to take what they will from the film and hopefully think about it. It uh, kind of echoes a lot what Steven said in the conversation, which I think it, uh, it, uh, it rings true for me. He continues, I read a quote from Bradley Cooper saying that he hopes American Sniper will make more people think about the issues, but it probably should not be used as any sort of evidence or support for arguments about the real-life situations. Uh, Great points again. 
Uh, at the end of the day, it is a fictional account of real life, not a guide for living. I think there is an appetite in the U.S. these days to see what war is really like for our servicemen. For over a decade, the U.S. has had a sizable portion of its armed forces deployed in combat situations. People want to know what it's like. They want to know the enemy, and they want to hate them. It is true that Eastwood could have tried to create more sympathy and compassion for the enemy, but that may not have been true to the characters or and the situation. I find in watching a movie like this, it is important to remember that it is just one side of a complex story, and right and wrong often come down to a point of view. At the end of the day, you must form your own views and opinions based on the available data. Eastwood may be adding noise to the signal, but he is not responsible for peop- other people's intolerance. I uh, thank you for that response. I actually uh, agreed. I, there's a lot of good stuff in there. I just uh, thank you for sharing your opinions. You can also get in on the action if you go over to the subreddit, ZachOnFilm, reddit.com slash r slash ZachOnFilm. Uh, I'm posting articles up there. And also, I'll be posting questions that I might be posing to other people. Uh, that'll be on the podcast, and I want to get your thoughts and feelings on them also. <laughs> So in the last pilot episode of Zach on Film, if you listen to it, we did a section called Zach's Cut. That was a uh, a segment title brought to you by one of my, uh, the fine listeners throughout the pilot uh, process of this new version of Zach on Film. I quite like it. And this week's version of Zach's Cut is going to be my thoughts actually about American Sniper. Like I said, top of the show, I just walked out of it. And I have some thoughts I've been brewing while I watch the film. And uh, for the time, I was kind of decompressing afterwards. So I just want to throw them out to you all, because, you know, usually we do talk about a film uh, on this show, as we have for the last two years. So why break tradition quite yet? So Maker Sniper, um, a lot of, I mean, I knew a lot about it going in. And by knew a lot, I mean, I read a lot of reviews and criticisms and praise of the film. And I have to be honest with you, I hesitated to go to this film because... Uh, I thought if I had anything negative to say about it, I would be deemed unpatriotic like other people have so far. Um, But what I think I have to say about it uh, is not mm, a criticism of the actions portrayed in the film, but more of the film in general. So I hope I don't get in too deep of water, but I don't think I will with any of you lovely listeners. So if you listened to the High Noon episode of Zach on Film that we did, oh, probably two or three months ago. Uh, that was a film I quite enjoyed, which was one of the few Westerns, I think, that I uh, truly, truly enjoyed and would absolutely go back and rewatch from the Zach on Film experience. Uh, and that movie reminded me a lot of American Sniper, I guess vice versa, in that uh, if you listen to the episode, one of my main criticisms of the film is that the film ended when I thought some really interesting things could happen uh, with the wife of the sheriff, who was a devout Quaker and against violence the entire movie, uh, ending up killing one of uh, the quote-unquote villains uh, uh, of the piece. And after she did that and went against her beliefs, the film just ended. And I guess I think one of my biggest disappointments of American Sniper is that for me, now this is for me, I connected more to the Chris Kyle character portrayed in the film when he was in America, when he was stateside interacting with his family and other people on the street. And we could see the horribleness that was PTSD uh, affecting his life and his family and his loved ones. 
Uh, now, that could absolutely be because I've only lived in America, and I don't know what combat is like. And I recognize that, and I really accepted that. Like, if this is a film for people who have been in combat, um, for them to uh, relate more to the screen, I think it, it could possibly do a great job of that. I'm not sure. I was not in the military. Uh, and if it does that, I think then that's great. But for me, I wished that the film would have dove more into the PTSD because the Chris, the Chris Kyle character we presented in the film uh, is very much not acknowledging that he actually has this condition, even though we, uh, I mean, it's very obvious through the filmmaking process that it is there and it is affecting his life. And he seems more uh, set on that he was doing what he uh, had to do and is not acknowledging that, which I understand. Um, but ultimately, I mean, the last, I thought the last 30 minutes of the film, once he, uh, the big, big battle sequence uh, in the Middle East was over and he comes home, I thought that was some of the actual best filmmaking of the entire movie. Um, and I, I, th- I thought the ending was, was very strong. And I thought uh, the beginning and middle were not is much but the ending i thought was very powerful and very well done uh for the rest of the film you know i thought it was a uh, uh, shot n- not as intensely as we've seen other war films i'll come uh, i guess uh, similar films kind of like uh black hawk down is what i was comparing to in my mind i guess uh not as intense not as fast paced i don't think i don't think this movie was as fast as other war movies i've seen especially in the combat scenes you know, I think American Sniper as a trailer was better edited than the entire film. When you watch that trailer, I thought we would be getting a non-linear story of Chris Kyle uh, trying to come to grips with the uh, killings that he had to do while he was doing his four tours of service uh, over in Iraq. And that is not what we got. It was a very linear, linear story presented, and I think... Uh, some editing could have been done um, to up the emotional stake of the film. Uh, I mean, that's for me. Kind of, I think, reminded of 12 Years a Slave where they shot it as a linear story and then they got to Edin Bay and realized it was better if they told it in a non-linear fashion. And I think American Sniper absolutely would have benefited from that where we could have seen more of a struggle. Now, would that have even more fictionalized Chris Kyle's story? Yes, it would have. Um, But, you know, that's kind of what happens when uh, things get put on film. Things don't get adapted precisely. They get our, our, you know, they get an artistic license to the story and they tell, frankly, a more compelling story than in life because our lives are linear and I think if we edit them down, we could certainly, you know, cut out boring stuff and uh, make it seem more interesting. But all in all, I actually enjoyed American Sniper um, more than I thought I would. And I think there's a lot of good discussions that can come of this film, and I hope they do. Uh, Clint Eastwood said that this is an anti-war movie by introducing PTSD uh, to America, which... (laughs) Is which is great. That's great that the topic is coming up, but it's horrible that it's taken this long. Uh, if you see the statistics of you know veterans suffering and what happens when they come back home with PTSD, uh, it's horrible. And I hope this film can shine more light on that and get 
more people help. If that comes from this film, then then I think everything was absolutely worthwhile with American Sniper. So I there's a lot of more conversations I want I have about this film. Uh, hope maybe you have something to say. If you do have something to say about American Sniper, send me an email at zach at majorspoilers and I will certainly be more than happy to read it on the show. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at, at @zwolf or go over to that subreddit I talked about earlier. So that's it. That is the first episode of this new version of Zach on Film. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I am pretty nervous about putting it out. It's something different. It's something new. I hope people enjoy it. I would love to hear your feedback, good, negative, or indifferent. Uh, if you want to give some feedback, you can certainly do it on iTunes. Ratings will help boost us in, in, in the rankings of iTunes, and more people will see the Zach on Film show and get involved in the conversations and that's exactly what I want to happen. I want you to be involved in the show and giving your own opinions about the stories and topics that we are discussing. But again, I'll say I am really, really excited for this new phase of the show. I love talking about film that's all been developed from the past two years of doing this show. Um, I'm really excited to get different voices on the show. We've already had a few. If you listen to all the pilot episodes gearing up for this episode... Uh, and I'm I'm really excited. I'm trying to work on some different things, um, and I will ask you, uh, you know, maybe give it some time. You know, uh, podcasts take a while to get their legs, and this is something completely new for me. So uh, come along with me on this journey, I guess. New Zach on film art has been done. I really really dig this art you're probably seeing it on your listening device new podcast art also up on majorspoilers.com big shout out to nathan uh, i actually don't know his full name but you can hit him up on twitter his twitter handle is at w nathan or as it w nathan's i'm pulling up twitter i usually close it so it make weird noises uh while i'm recording but i gotta give this guy's props it is at w nathan's if you like the new podcast art as much as I do, let him know. Super, super cool guy. He's done a lot of great art for major spoilers over the past year. And with that, that's the end of the episode. Hit me up on Twitter at ZWolf, Wolf of Two O's. Send me a message at Zach at MajorSpoilers.com and get your voice heard on the Zach on Film podcast. We'll see you next week on Zach on Film. is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.